Amen. Is there really anything we need to say this morning? Let's pray together. Father God, we do come before you today and we want to say we love you. And God, that shouldn't be so complicated, but we make it very complicated. We mix up that desire, that spirit, that heart to love you with so much fear and selfishness and insecurity, all the things we want to hold on to. I love you, but... Father God, I pray that this morning, even as we sang that and just now, you would help us to let go of those extra things. The things we hold on to that we think we need, you and. That we would see that you are enough. That as we say that we love you, it would be a sweet sound in your ear because it would be true. Father God, as we dig into your word this morning, I pray that you would lead us to that place. Help us to see. Help us to know you a little bit more deeply. That we can love you more fully and follow you more closely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. As we open, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to read uh, this parable, this passage together, and then we'll see where God's going to take us this morning. I've got a couple of ideas. I wrote some things down. We'll, we'll take a look. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, the parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about these parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. And ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Did you notice that line? It sounds like a pretty big deal. Jesus said that when he told them this story. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Do you want that? That sounds like something we should be paying attention to. This year we've been exploring this idea, our mission statement. Walking intimately with God. Seeking to understand what it means. What it looks like. What happens when we draw close to our creator and walk in step with him. And so in the fall, we looked at the stories of the early church, the examples of how they walked intimately with God and what it looked like when they did, the choices they made and the things that God was doing in and through and around them. And then in the Advent season, we looked at the truth that as we desire to walk intimately with God, he also desires to walk intimately with us. He wants to be close to us too. To be with us. So much so that he sent his son to show us what that meant. What we meant to him. Jesus is God made flesh. And he did not come just to be born and to die. But to show us the father. His father. To show us what God is like and to tell us who God is. Now, Jesus used lots of different tools to try to help us understand his father. He walked and talked and ate and drank with and, and lived with people. He letting them experience relationship with him. He told sermons and he debated with religious and political leaders, hammering out ideas with them and challenging the way that they thought and ran their worlds. He asked questions. And he forced people to confront ideas and attitudes that they, that they held. He performed miracles, both displaying the power of God and affirming his authority And again, challenging the ideas and attitudes that people held. Every miracle he performed was an affront to something that was established in his people. But one of the most common ways that Jesus tried to to teach people to show them who God is was with stories. And they called them parables. Stories that taught stories that had meaning deep meaning stories that confused and even irritated people but 
Stories that within their simple themes and ideas unraveled and revealed the infinite depths and profound truth of God himself. If you were open to hear it. To me, that's, that's really the most fascinating part of these stories that Jesus told. He told them so that people wouldn't understand. And I've joked with people many times that Jesus fascinates me because he's just so bad at building a church, building a following. Obviously, he's perfect. And what he did and how he did it was perfect. And we are here as testimony to what he built. But it's just so different from the way we would do things. He forgives the woman caught in adultery. And then, where was the man? Whatever, that's a whole different thing. But he forgives the woman caught in adultery. And then he says, go and sin no more. Where's the follow-up? Where's the discipleship program? Where's the small group ministry to plug her into and get her going in the right direction? He gathers thousands of people on a hillside and he's teaching them. And then he performs this incredible miracle feeding thousands and thousands of people. And they chase him around the lake. They want to be with him. He did it. He built the church. He's got it. And when they get there, He teaches them the hardest and weirdest thing they've ever heard. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And they all walk away. To the point that even his closest followers, he turns to them and said, are you going to leave too? Easy, Jesus. Don't scare them off. You've got them. Let's, Let's get them into some classes. And work through some material with them. Let's, let's save the hard teaching for some other time. When they're ready. And when he tells these stories, he tells them not to help people understand, but so that they won't. What is he doing? It shows us that God doesn't operate On our terms. He invites us to pursue him. To see how he does things. How he sees things. God does not fit in our lives. He is inviting you to give up your life. And follow him. God does everything different than we would. Than we do Because he's right. And he wants to show you why. Jesus is fascinating. He's frustrating. He's incredible. And if we want to understand him, we need to listen. He wants us to listen. And so he told us a story. He's been building up a large following already. Again, when we come to this passage... He's taught them many interesting and exciting things. He's performed miracles. A couple of chapters before this, he healed a man with leprosy. 
And we have the amazing story of the paralyzed man whose friends brought him to Jesus. And the crowd was so thick that they couldn't get through to see Jesus. And so they took him up on the roof and they dug a hole through the roof. This is one of my favorite stories because how long did that take? Like, okay, it's not a roof like we have on the church here today. It was thatch and stuff. But still, it's not like it took 30 seconds. They would have been digging for a while and stuff would have been like falling down on Jesus as he's teaching. Did he stop? Or did he keep going? Jesus is speaking and he didn't just tell them to come around and come inside. It's bizarre. I don't, get, I don't understand it. But his influence is growing and his ministry is growing. The crowd is getting larger and larger and people are fascinated. And the religious leaders are getting more and more agitated. So Jesus takes this crowd and he tells them about his father. He tells them about what God sees. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large was so large that he had to get into a boat and go out onto the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, or 100 times. And Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Again, the crowd has been building for weeks. It's huge. And the excitement, the anticipation, the wonder, people are are fascinated. They're excited. They're confused and intrigued. Who is this man and what is he doing? And so he's forced to take a boat out onto this lake and he does the thing that makes no sense. He doesn't try to make them feel okay or draw them in. He doesn't try to spoon feed them. He doesn't lay out a path to salvation. Okay, here is who I am and what I'm doing. And here's some theological things for you to understand and how you can. He tells them stories. And most importantly, this story. Now, what does that whole thing, what does that tell us about God? The other leaders and teachers at the time would quote scripture and ask questions and quote scripture and ask questions. And they would debate scripture by quoting scripture back and forth and back and forth. Well, the scriptures say this, but do they not also say this? Ah, but they also say this. But Jesus doesn't talk about the word. Jesus is the word. And here, he paints a picture of his father for them and for us. And a painting you have to contemplate. You have to meditate 
on it. You have to spend time with it. You have to pray about it to reflect on it in order to understand what's there. And it tells us, it shows us, just the very act of telling stories, that God is a God of intimacy and relationship, that understanding and knowledge of Him comes as you spend time with Him. Allowing ourselves to marinate in His words, His truth. Scripture, theology, facts are vitally important. We do not get to make up whatever interpretations we want, but knowing God is spending time with Him. Embracing the mystery and infinity of who and what He is. And these stories reflect that. Verse 10, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. And ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But what is that secret? Is it this story? It's Jesus. Because we can only understand these things through Jesus. He is the lens. He is the filter. He is the source. Anything we try to grasp outside of him will never satisfy. Will never fit. Will never quite make sense. He is it. The way, the truth, and the life. He is truth in himself. And to understand it, we must know him. And so he goes further and explains himself. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Here's the question, though. What didn't they get? The disciples and the crowds. What is it that they didn't understand? I mean, it's easy enough for us, maybe, because we have these last few verses. He told us, But it's not like this is a super convoluted metaphor. 
You could carry it in different directions maybe and think about it and interpret it different ways. But the idea is pretty easy to grasp. I mean, we can often kind of dismiss ancient peoples and cultures as simple and not sophisticated like us. And so they wouldn't understand things like we do today. They were very intelligent and sophisticated. Look at the things they built, the things they wrote, the art they produced for heaven's sakes. They had deep mythologies and philosophies and understanding. Their world was rich with metaphor and debate and rhetoric. Stories and teachings passed from generation to generation. Socrates and Aristotle and Plato were hundreds of years before this and influenced the Roman society so much and the Jewish people were smack in the middle of the Roman Empire surrounded by Greek and Roman art and thought and teaching and the style of stories and philosophies that permeated the whole culture. Not to mention, there's parables in the Old Testament Stories that spoke deeper truth. They were brought up with this kind of thinking and teaching. So what didn't they get? To think they didn't understand is ridiculous. Oh, perhaps there was a very few people in that crowd that just didn't care at all and weren't paying attention. And they thought, ah, yes, farming is hard. But they would have understood that he was trying to say something deeper. And he was trying to say something else. And they probably even kind of got the gist. Ah, yes, some people are shallow and some people are deep. And some people get distracted. And life is hard and confusing. And some people really grow. Of course they got it. So why is Jesus pretending that they didn't? Because he isn't. He saw what they didn't get, and it wasn't the point. They didn't get that they weren't all good soil. They didn't get that he was talking about them. Because they all thought, I'm good soil. Because we all think we're good soil too. Don't we? The profound and incredible nature of this parable isn't that it's so inscrutable or multi-layered. It's a simple story with a simple message. But the part that we miss is that he's talking about me because the power of this parable is that it's true after I stop thinking about it. And it's really only true after I stop paying attention. Jesus isn't telling us what we think about ourselves. He's telling us what God sees in each of us. He's telling us about his Father. In this moment, right now, today, we're thinking about this parable. And we're thinking, yeah, I mostly try to be good soil, but sometimes I let things distract me or get burned out. But the second this sermon is done, and you change the channel... You're going to go get distracted and burned out. 
The power of this parable is that it's true after we're not thinking about it. God is telling us what he sees in how we live. We'll carry on like we always do. Just like he's telling us. So. What do we do with that? I honestly don't even know. Because I could give you again. The four steps to follow. Or the program. Or the accountability. Or whatever it is. I don't even know. Because how do we overcome our nature? Our habits, our life, anyone that's ever tried to lose weight or start working out or pick up any new habit or discipline knows how easy it is to start strong and at best a week later, it's over. We can commit ourselves that we're going to try harder. And we're going to work harder. And we're going to be good soil. And we're going to make good habits. And, and, and God sees all of that. But the soil that grows good things is not the soil that works harder. It's the soil that God has worked. The soil that's fruitful is the soil that God has prepared. The soil doesn't prepare itself. The farmer prepares the soil. God does the work. But we're not just dirt. And we can choose to be ready. To be receptive. To be worked. And that work won't be easy and it won't be pleasant. It's violent. The plow rips through the ground. It churns up a lot of stuff. Sin, selfishness, hurts, suffering, wrongs we have done and wrongs done to us. It's hard. It's painful. But the process is necessary. And the result is beautiful. And the longer and the more you let him work, the easier it gets. Your heart is softer and softer. And as God points out and pulls out sin and selfishness from your life and asks you to give him and trust him with the hurts and hardships and sins that have become so much a part of you, you've had them for so long that you think they are who you are. But as he takes them more and more and even over and over, it gets easier. Because you start to be able to trust him more and more. And you see the good that comes more and more. And the work that he does hurts less and less. And you see the fruit more and more and more. And it's so much more than what he's taken away. Than what he's asked you to give up. Do you want the things that God has in mind for you? 
the change and transformation and new life that God desires for you. I must confess, many times I don't. Because it means ripping out things that are going to hurt and changing things that I don't want to. Even sin in my life that I've held on to for too long, I like it and I hate it. even though I know it's hurting me. And it means bringing discipline and accountability and structure into my life to keep my focus where it needs to be because, again, how do I change my nature? And that's hard. I don't want to do that. I want to just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm doing fine. The most dangerous word of all. But God doesn't invite us into fine. God came that we could have life, abundant life, everlasting life, life that is whole, life that is him. A life that bears 30, 60, 100 times to others what he has sown into us. Not just fine. Are you ready to let him work? Are you paying attention? This morning, don't let this fade. If God is challenging you right now, I don't know what he's saying. But very often when we're going through something like this, he identifies something pretty quickly, pretty clearly. And we know what that thing is that he wants to take. That we need to give up. Don't let distractions choke out what God is speaking to you. Are there weeds you need to rip out chaff and stubble? You need to burn away. You need to let him burn away. Talk to someone. Share these burdens with someone. And talk to him. The soil doesn't prepare itself. He has to do it. The answer is not inside ourselves. The problem is. But he will fix it. Growth and healing happens as we bring these things into the light. As we walk together with him. Let him work the soil. Let him pick the rocks. Let him pull the weeds. Let's grow together. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you that you are gracious. We thank you that you are gentle. We thank you that you are patient. We thank you that you are merciful. And we thank you, even though it's terrifying, that you see everything. As Adam and Eve hid in the garden and you asked where they were, you knew exactly where they were. You wanted them to come to you. 
to stop hiding. God, you invite us the same way. Father, give us humility and give us confidence to come to you because you are love. You are not punishment. You are mercy. You desire for us to have this full, abundant, whole life. And you desire for things to grow in us that we can't even understand. For things to pour out of us to others, blessing them and caring for them in ways we can't even begin to imagine. But first, there's work to do. Father, some of us have been following you for a very long time, and God, I just pray that you will work that soil again. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to see and understand and know that it is easier and easier every time. But that there is still work to do. And that as you take those things, God, we will trust you as we have seen you work. For some of us, God, that path has been packed down pretty hard. And that first time when you are going to break it up is going to be violent. And it is going to unearth things that were long buried and packed tight. Be gentle, Father. And help us to see the place that you are leading us. But God, we are not invited into this alone. And I thank you for our church family and for close relationships that we can share these burdens together. And I pray that you will draw us deeper in those places. Allow us to bring these things to light that you need to see. That you can plant truth in our hearts and let it grow. In Jesus' name, amen.